Hey, welcome to New Community Elkins Podcast. I'm the pastor, Bobby Benavides, and I am excited to have you with us. I hope you enjoy what you hear. I hope it encourages you and keeps you moving forward in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, again, good morning and welcome to New Community Elkins. Um, I am Bobby Benavides, the lead pastor again here and I'm excited to be with you as we continue our First Timothy series. Um, so First Timothy, uh, just to kind of jump into it, right, because we've got a lot to cover. Uh, hopefully it doesn't uh, freak you out, but we have a lot of scripture to be coming at you this morning. Um, but if you have your Bible, you can go to First Timothy chapter 5, because that's where we're going to be going. But if not, it'll be popping up for you. But um, so First Timothy, right, a letter written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, to um, Timothy, a young leader in the church in Ephesus, who's kind of going through a little bit of a hard time, right? Because the, the church has been kind of infiltrated with, with uh, poor teachers, false teachers, people who have been kind of coming in from the outside culture, kind of bringing in some false ideas, um, causing some tension in the church. Uh, you have the Greek culture that's very dominant and, and prominent there in that area. And so you have the church kind of wrestling through what should they be holding on to and what should they be letting go of? You have the Jewish Christians who have been trying to say, well, you know, there are things that you should be holding on to from a Jewish perspective. And and so now it's kind of creating even more tension because you have new believers saying, well, where do I go? What do we believe? How do we believe? What should we believe? And that's what Timothy is really all about. It's about all about defining what we should be believing in the church and how the church should be functioning. So when Paul wrote this, he was giving clear guidance to the leaders of the church, but he was also speaking directly to the church of Ephesus, but the church as a whole to understand who they're supposed to be and why they're supposed to be doing what they do. Um, So when he's writing this letter, it's also an understanding that in that culture, in the Greek culture, there was a whole idea of it's about me. Right, it's it's all individual, um, all individual understanding. It's all about the way you live your life is the way you live your life, and and that's how it goes. And but when it comes to the Christian faith, what Paul was trying to help demonstrate through this letter is that it's no longer an individual thing. Like it's about your your individual connection with Jesus and and your individual connection with God. But once you connect with Jesus, you're now connected to a bigger thing the bigger body, which is the church, capital C, because right? you have your local churches, little c, with the global church, capital C, and that's representing the kingdom of God. And so when he's writing this letter, he wants people to understand that, yes, you have an individual relationship with Jesus, but you are no longer just an individual. You are a part of a bigger entity, something bigger than yourself. That is what you're a part of. And so chapter 5 is really bringing the church to an understanding of what they should be doing in their society with the people of the church, especially with a particular group of people in the church. And he's telling Timothy, this is who you're going to be. This is what I want you to be as a leader. So we're going to go into that. Um, But before we start, let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you, God, that we can come here to discuss Scripture and to dive in together. And, Father, I pray, Lord, for um, understanding to be upon us, for our eyes to be open, our ears to be open, Lord, for you to speak clearly to us through your Spirit. And, Father, that we can see our role 
as bigger than just us having a connection with you, but we have a connection with each other. So lead us in that this morning. We praise you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So um, when we look at the church, right? Again, lowercase c, global church, or lowercase c, local church, big C, global church. When we look at this whole idea of the church, we have to understand that we have a role to play in pointing to the purpose, person, and kingdom of Jesus Christ, right? That's our role. The church is supposed to be pointing to that at all times. It's not about just meeting in a building, which obviously we're not doing right now. Um, it's not about uh, just having your only one day a week where you gather together to worship and, and then just kind of uh, go throughout the rest of your day and throughout your week of doing nothing with connection to God. It's everything we do as the church, the body, points to Christ. So as we walk in this world, as we walk in our day-to-day lives, we're supposed to be pointing to who Jesus is, was, and always will be for us, but for the world, right? And we've come to understand through Scripture that when Jesus came into the world, it was all about him coming to bring salvation, bring freedom, to bring life everlasting. He came to save the world, right? We see John 3.16 where he says he came to bring salvation, right? This is what it's all about. You know, so here we are diving into 1 Timothy chapter 5, and we're going to see what happens when the church truly points to the purpose and the kingdom and the life and the person of Jesus Christ. So we're going to start in verse 1, verses 1 and 2 right now. I'm going to kind of, there's a lot of scripture, like I said, so I'm going to be reading a lot, pausing, and going through it, just to give you an idea of where we're headed. So here we are, verse 1 and 2. So Timothy, Paul's writing in Timothy's, verse 1, chapter 5, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. Now, that's verses 1 and 2. But we have to remember what chapter 4 was about, right? So if you were here last week, awesome, you saw chapter 4. If you weren't, go back and listen to it in the podcast or on Facebook, you can. Um, but chapter 4 was really helping Timothy understand, like, look, you are leading the church. You are a leader in the church. You're going to be, don't let anybody look down upon you because of your youth. That's where the, the words come. Like, look, you are going to be speaking truth into, into this moment, into the lives of people. And so as you do that, you have to realize you're going to be speaking to all ages. So when you're speaking to the older men, don't, don't look down upon them. This is actually an idea of saying, respect your elders, respect your brothers and sisters. And this draws back to the commandments that everybody knew in that day, the Ten Commandments, where it says, honor thy father and thy mother, right? And then when Jesus came on the scene, he kind of took it to the next level and saying, look, love your neighbor as yourself. So every single person, honor them in the process, especially the people in the church. Not, not saying that they're more important than anybody else outside of the church, but just saying especially in the church, love each other, honor each other, respect each other, right? Don't look at the old ways and say, oh, well, you're just an old person. You're not going to get it, right? Which we've seen. Right? If we're honest, we've seen that with the new kind of style of music and the new ways of going through things. And, you know, when you have 
younger pastors, right? I still consider myself a younger pastor, okay? I'm not going to have any comments. I may be losing hair, but I'm still semi-young. And But the reality of it is, though, is that you see kind of the younger pastors, you know, kind of shifting away from some of the more traditional styles. But what we have to be careful of in our young age is to not rebuke the older age and start saying, well, because, you know, you're just too, you're too old for this, you just got to sit down and just let us young folk take over. We have to be careful. And this is what Paul is kind of warning Timothy about. You're a young leader. You have great gifts. You, have, you, are, you are a talented person who I put you in charge of the church in Ephesus. But do not look down upon anybody in the church. Listen, learn, respect, honor. That's what he's basically continuing the conversation. Because again, I should probably go back. We have to think about this too. First Timothy is a letter. All right. We have chapters and we have verse numbers, right? That's just a we help us work through the different pieces. But when they got this, it was just a letter. So they're reading it just as a letter. So they read chapter four, what we read, all together into chapter five as just one as just one piece, seeing that, okay, this all comes together and ties together. So if I'm leading, I have to know how to honor people. But again, as we talked about last week also, I believe priesthood of all believers. We're all in this together. The leaders of the church aren't just the only ones who should be leading and respecting people. This is honestly for every single person in the church to understand that we look at everybody in the church in a respectful manner. We honor each other. We love each other. We serve each other. We care for each other. We respect each other's value that's been given by God, right? Innate value that we've been given by God. So that's Chapter or verses one and two. So now we're going into verses three through eight. So again, here he is saying, honor widows who are truly widows. Okay, I'll explain that in a second. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, those are strong words, right? Those are heavy words. Paul's writing these words, again, to the church, saying, look, this is what you're supposed to do. Honor widows who are truly widows. What does that mean? Well, we have to go into the culture, right? We have to go into the culture. And the reality, um, what's, what's happening in this culture is that you have the widows, when, when they're truly widows, when, they, when, they're, um, when they either don't have children, they're old in age, um, and their older children are either um, ignoring their responsibilities, which we'll be talking about in a second, um, or they've never had kids, They've been depending on their husband. So if they've lost everything, if they're truly a widow where they've lost everything in that culture, he's saying, look, we need to honor them by doing what is right, which is caring for their needs, stepping into their lives and wrapping our arms around them, putting our, putting our gifts toward them, uh, resources if necessary, because these true widows would have left, been left destitute. They would have lost everything. They would have been alone. They would have been. They would have lost their home, most likely. 
They would have been um, living on the streets, begging, trying to make stuff maybe to go ahead and get some money. But most of the time, it was just kind of like they were hoping to get some alms or some bags, you know, putting their hands out and hopefully getting something in return in order to get some food. Otherwise, they just die on the streets. This is what was happening. And the Christian church was responding, saying, this can't happen anymore. And Jesus set that standard because when Jesus was on the cross, he looked down upon his his disciple John, who was sitting next to his mom, and said, look, Mary, he's a Mary, mom, woman, he said, look, this is your son. And he looked at John and said, son, this is your mom. Like, look, you guys are now together because I am leaving. But now, even though you aren't related, you have a connection with each other. You need to be working together. You need to be loving each other. You need to make sure you're watching out for each other. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Make sure the church understands this. But if a widow who has children, older children especially, or other kind of uh, family members who are around, that if they can go back to their parents or they can be taken care of, then, then they need to do that because that's actually how it should be. Family members, if they're present with their, with their moms, if they're you know, kids, they should be caring for their families. They should be caring for their parents in time of need. This is what was happening in that culture. And I'm not saying it shouldn't happen now. I'm just saying this is what was happening in that culture. And I'll talk about what should be happening now because he kind of points that out here. But then he also says, the, there's also some widows who are kind of younger, right? Um, that are, they kind of says self-indulgent, right? They kind of go, they kind of take on some different um, ideas of how to live after after losing their spouse. And especially when they're younger, they kind of start to get into that mode of, okay, should I remarry, should I not? And Paul's kind of pointing to get remarried if you're a widow. And there's a reason. Because of the Greek culture, what was happening, they were trying to knock any religion. So if there was any way for them to point out a flaw in the Christian faith, is to have either a young woman or even have some men, right, or many men especially, um, choosing to do things that were inappropriate in the eyes of the Christian faith. So if they start to kind of become a little bit loose in their living, right, where they're kind of sleeping around or they're doing certain things, they he's saying, look, protect yourself. Go back to your parents. Do what you can. But whatever you do, get remarried. We're going to be covering that in a second. Because you don't want to be looked down upon. You don't want to be judged. You don't want to pass judgment on the church. Because everything we do now, when you are a follower of Christ, everything you do represents Jesus, represents the church. So it's not just about you anymore. See what Paul's saying here? You want to do whatever you want. That's fine. Live your life. But if you're going to do that, then don't be a part of the church. Because you're going to end up messing things up for us. right? And, and he's... This is really a draw towards a lot of things in this world today, right? Beyond just this, this is something that we should be thinking about regularly, is that when we're out in public, what we say, what we do, how we live, it represents the church. When we are sharing things on social media, we might say, well, this is my own personal page. It's my opinion, which I see a lot of people say, my own personal page, my opinion. But if your personal page and your opinion is pointing towards things that are hateful, and not really falling in line with scripture, you're representing the church, especially if you have in your little tagline, Christian, lover of Jesus, I hate these people. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's what Paul's kind of pointing to here. He may be addressing widows and lifestyle choices, but he is saying to us as the church today to realize 
it's not just about me. It's not just about you. We are all together pointing to the kingdom of God, pointing to Jesus as himself. So we have to think about the words that come out of our mouths. We have to think about the way that we're walking in society. Because our eyes, people's eyes are on us. I brought up Hamilton earlier. <laughs> been watching that. I love it. So good. But there's this part where it's like, look, history has its eyes on you, right? That's powerful words. History has its eyes on you. The world has its eyes on the church. Especially in a time like this with a pandemic, with racial um, tension. People are looking to the church wondering, how are you going to respond? What are you going to say? And if you're saying things that are totally against what Scripture would say, just take off the fact that you're a Christian on your, on your Facebook page. It kind of helps us out a little bit. Probably just lost people there, but that's okay. This is where we're at. So, because he says at the end, but if anyone does not provide, I'll go ahead and bounce that back real quick. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Paul, dropping the mic at the end, right? That was the end of that section. Look, if you're not going to do what you're supposed to do, if you're not going to follow the commandments, if you're not going to step into your role as a child, as a person who's an adult, caring for your parents in their time of need, then you are denying what Scripture has told us to do. You're denying what Jesus has told us to do, to love people, to be present with people in their pain, to mourn with those who mourn. You are choosing to ignore that. Look, you're denying the faith, and you are worse than an unbeliever because you're claiming to believe. But you're not living up to what you're saying you believe. Watch what you do. Watch how you live. So then he goes on to this. Again, this is long. Just follow with me. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers, going out, going out and about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, say, busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Okay, now... This section of scripture has pointed to, a point, said a lot of things about Paul. People have said, like, look, he's, he has such a hateful vision of women. He, look, how, look how he just labels them like this. And now I'm going to bring some clarity as to what he's truly saying here. Because, again, we have to look at cultural context, right? We have to understand what he's truly saying. Because what he's saying is at this point in the church, there's a list of widows, right? They, they, like this is kind of something that some scholars say possibly happened. Other scholars know I lean toward most likely what he's saying here is that in the church, there was a list of kind of the people who needed assistance. And he said, look, don't, don't list people um, who are less than, this, than 60 years of age. Why? Because the reality of it is, is that um, the, or let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age. Why? Because she's, she's lived her life. 
She needs that assistance. She, but also, she's a mother of the church. She's been present in the church. We need to care for her. Look at all the things that she's done. She has a good works happening. She's, she's brought up children. She's shown hospitality. And not just her own children. She's cared for other people's children. She has her spiritual children as well. She's shown hospitality. She's washed the feet of the saints, cared for the afflicted, devoted herself to every good work, right? This is what she's done. So she has a whole list of things that she's been good, that she's been actually doing great things in the church. Let's honor that. And this doesn't negate anybody who's not that. It's just that, look, these are the people who we want to really be lifting up because they've poured a lot of time and energy into making sure that we're okay. We should do the same for them. But refuse to enroll younger widows, right? And, and this is what I was talking about. Because because they still have a desire. And again, culturally speaking, at this time, 60 years of age was a pretty older age, right? They, most likely, that was kind of a time for them to be heading toward death anyway. But when they're younger, they still have a desire to be with somebody. Don't allow them to, to get caught up in a, in a lifestyle that's going to end up being unhealthy for them. And with the Greek culture, what ends up happening, even if they're not, if they go and spend time with somebody who is known as a gossip or they spend time with somebody around because they're just kind of hanging out with their friends and this is what they do, all of a sudden a label goes upon them that may not be true. So let's protect them from that. Let's do what we can, protect them from that. He's saying, look, just remarry, get into a better relationship so that way you can't be labeled as a certain type of person. Because again, the Greek culture was ready to attack the church. You know, doesn't happen at all today, right? Um, but back then, definitely. No, the, everybody's waiting to see how the church reacts. And when the church does something wrong, boom, we're going to jump out and say, look how false they are. Look how fake they are. Look how hypocritical they are. They try to tell us about this. They try to tell us to do this, but they're not willing to do this, right? That's what happens. The church says we love everybody, but yet we go ahead and say we hate these type of people. No, that's not, that's not how it works. We can't be doing that, right? So protect ourselves. Bring some protection around the younger widows. Do what you can to care for them, but, but put them in a position where they can't be looked down upon or judged or put a bad slant on to make them look like they're poor uh, Christians, that they're poor followers of Christ, that they're poor members of the church, and then reflect poorly on the church as a whole because that's not who we are. And then it says at the end, if any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. And so the church isn't burdened. It's more of a, if you are a, a younger woman who has a relative who's a widow, then, then you need to step into that role because then the church can be caring for the older ones. Like, it's really all about care. And this is where the tension comes, right? Because now it's like, well, wait a second. I mean, they've lived their life. They, they, they have their own things. They don't need us. No, they do. They need us to rally around them. And this is where our society kind of comes into play. What we're doing as a church now, right? Not just us little C, but capital C. If we look at the needs of people in our community, in our church, the people who, who have struggles, and we say, well, you know, I mean, we'll pray for them, but we're not going to help them financially. Or if they need food, we're not going to give them food. If they need clothes, we're not going to give them clothes. If we're not going to step into that role, then we, then as Paul wrote earlier, then we're really denying the faith because it's no longer about us being comfortable. It's about caring for the needs of those who need to be cared for, loving people in their time of need, being present in their pain, celebrating life with them, honoring them, recognizing what they've done, 
right? I think we, we don't do that enough. We celebrate the volunteers, right? We, we try to celebrate volunteers, but, we, but very rarely do we celebrate the, the elderly, the, the ones who, who helped raise us, right? The ones who brought us into the faith, the ones who have actually lifted us into a journey with Jesus and, and have set a great example for us as to how to love each other, how to serve each other. We don't really do that very well at least from what I've seen. And I feel like this is where our church, our cap, our lower C church, our part of the body, our new community, Elkins, we are going to be moving toward that in the coming year. Uh, an idea of really loving our elderly, right? Like loving the, need, the, the needs of those who are, are left alone, right? I'm not just saying just writing a card and sending it to I'm actually saying spending time with, finding ways to spend time with. You know, and, and this is hopefully when, when the pandemic is, is, is either gone or, or controlled a little bit better, but we can step into the homes and, the, and the, at the bedside and, and loving those who have come before us, right? Because that's what Paul's calling the church to be about, just not just caring for the elderly, but, but caring for each other, really stepping into a relationship as a community of believers, as a body of believers, knowing when somebody's going through pain and how to care for that, right? It's almost like, well, my right arm got a bug bite on it yesterday, like right on, like it's like right back here. And it's like when I go to scratch it, like what if my left arm's like, no, nah, you got to figure out how to scratch it yourself. That might be a really weird analogy, but just imagine that, right? Like my left arm's like, no, I'm not going to do that. The right arm has been on your body just as long as I have. Um, and your right arm should be able to figure out how to scratch itself without needing me because, you know, I'm, I'm going to be over here saying, hey, I hope you take care of yourself. But I'm, it's the weirdest analogy ever. Sorry. But this is where my mind just went. It's like, man, like what if, right? This is kind of what we're saying, we have to be willing to help scratch the itch and take care of the, take care of the needs of every part of the body and be a part of that process with each other. This is a part of being the church. Again, Paul's saying it's not an individual thing. It's not just about you growing in your faith and, oh, Jesus blesses me and I'm so... No, like Jesus does do that. God has done that. Awesome. But you're a part of something bigger. So step into that role. And do it well. And he closes off with this. Let the elders who rule well be, be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. In the presence of God, I'm laughing because this is actually kind of um, interesting, but I'll cover this in a second too. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels, I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging, doing nothing from partiality. Do not be feisty or hasty, <laughs> feisty, hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. And the sins of some people are conspicuous, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others appear later. So also good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. So what is he saying at the end here? Because he was just talking about widows, right? 
I mean, like, now all of a sudden he's talking about elders. What are, you, what are you talking about? No. So the elders of the church, right, when we are doing this, when, we're, when we are leading the church well and we're guiding in these principles well, then the double honor, okay, he's referring to payment, but at the same time he's also saying, look, like, earn what you are being paid. If you're leading well and you're doing it honorably, then you're earning what you're being paid. But if you're being dishonorable, if you are being someone who's shady, if you're living a life that people can see as, as being sinful, broken, that you're not living a life that's representing the church well and you are a leader of the church, then you better be ready to be held accountable for that. He says, rebuke them in the presence of all. He's saying, and all the elders. So like if, a, if I was doing something wrong and there the leadership team of our church, like bring me forward, that's what's happening. He's saying, look, we are going to hold you accountable. And be ready to be held accountable. So Timothy, before you start putting leaders in charge, you better make sure that they are actually called to be leaders of the church. And that their lives are representing what the church is supposed to be. Because again, the Greeks are ready. The people on the outside are ready to pounce on anything the church is doing wrong. Anything flawed in the religion. And so you need to make sure that who you're putting in charge will honor the word of Jesus. Will honor who is the head of the church will honor the bride, which is our what Jesus would call the church, capital C, the bride of Christ. So make sure you're putting the right person there. And you remain pure yourself. Now, again, don't go out getting, getting drunk all the time and all that stuff. And so he's saying like, just the water probably isn't the best for you. It's actually making you a little bit sick. So go ahead and go do a little bit of wine. And there's a whole conversation around that that, that I'm not going to get into, but the reality of it is, is like, look, just take care of yourself. Be a good leader. Take care of yourself. Remain pure. Don't get caught up in all the other stuff. Be someone who points to the kingdom well, right? Because your good works are going to shine. Even if you keep them hidden, they're going to come out. Someone's going to talk about how good you are. Your, your brokenness, your sin, people are going to bring that out too. So live a life that is honorable to the kingdom. Because, Timothy, it's not about you. It's not just about you being a leader. It's about you guiding the church. And church is not just about you having a relationship with Jesus. It's about you demonstrating your relationship with Jesus. It's about you loving people in the name of Jesus. It's about you speaking the way that Jesus would want you to speak. It's like it's living a life that is honorable to the groom that we live for, that we wait for that we long for, that we praise, that we're going to be singing to in just a few minutes. Because right, I'm coming to a close here. I, I don't want to go too much longer. But the reality of it is, is that we, we have a bigger role to play. Our relationship with Jesus is not just for us. It's for the world to see. It's not just for us. It's for the church to see. So when we come together again and we're sitting side by side or even just six feet apart and we're able to say that we can demonstrate a love for each other, a service for each other, respect for each other to demonstrate a true meaning of church. Because Jesus actually said that they're going to know you're my followers by your love for each other but for others. And so our love is going to demonstrate who we worship and why we worship. And that's what Paul is saying here is, guys, guys, get over yourselves. Really. <laughs> get over yourself. 
outside world says it's it's mine it's all about me it's what i get it's all about my blessing falling down it's all about this it's all about and that's hey god bless you i pray that he does but it's not just for that it's for you to bless others it's for you to serve others it's for you to love others it's for you to lift up the less fortunate it's for you to care for those who are in need it's for you to mourn with those who are mourning it's for you to step into the pain of others because we need each other because if that was the case then once we came to know jesus let's just go i'll take us up that individual got it go no it's for us to be connected for us to be united for us to be celebrating our jesus not just on sunday morning but in every aspect of our lives People are waiting to see the church, capital C, live up to who they worship. And they're waiting for the church, lowercase c, the local church, to demonstrate who they worship. So let's do it. Let's do it. Step into that relationship with Jesus and know that it's not just for you, but it's for everyone. That's what the call is. Let's be the church that he desires. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this morning. We thank you, God, for who you are. And Lord, we um, we know, Jesus, that we don't represent you well all the time. Father, that sometimes we do get caught in ourselves. We get caught in our own individual understanding of our faith, and we kind of we kind of let that define certain things. But God, when if we, can, if we can come to you as the Father and, and, and the Spirit and your Son, Jesus, and really listen to what you want us to be and who you want us to be, that we might find that it's bigger than just ourselves. Lord, humble us. Jesus, humble us. Bring us back to who you want for us to be as your church. May the world see the church being your children, living the way you taught us to live, caring for the needs of those who are in need, caring for the broken, lifting up the oppressed, being a part of something bigger than ourselves. Because Lord, that's your call. Let us step into that. And Father, for those who are listening to this today, and, and maybe they've never heard about an idea of being a part of a kingdom bigger than themselves. Maybe they've never heard about having an active role as, as a child of God, that they've only heard about a God who wants to control, or a God that wants to put rules down, but never heard about having a relationship um, for themselves, but a relationship that impacts the world. Maybe they're ready to step into that now. Father, if, that's, if they are listening now, that they can just pray this prayer of God, thank you for saving me through your son, Jesus. And thank you for welcoming me into your kingdom. Amen. Thanks for listening to the New Community Elkins podcast. Um, again, I am Pastor Bobby Benavides, and I really appreciate you joining us. I hope the message was encouraging. I hope it challenged you in your journey with Jesus and moves you to a deeper relationship with your creator. Have a great week.